It's time for the podcast that features two guys that register on the Richter scale when they go up and down the stairs. It's the Morning Five, sponsored by the Parian Lawyers. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, sir. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <gasps> His ability to suck in these balls. <gasps> Sounds like a case of the Mondays. Grab your balls. <gasps> When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? I believe you get your ass kicked saying something like that, man. Good morning, West Georgia, and welcome into the Morning 5 podcast. It's Monday, September 11th, a day that will live in everybody's mind who was alive during September 11th. It's sort of like Pearl Harbor, I think, for a lot of the uh, the older generation, maybe the baby boomers, that they remember exactly where they were when they heard the news, they flipped on the TV, or they flipped on the radio. That's that's sort of what this generation's September 11th is going to be. We'll, we'll always remember exactly where we were. I was, uh, I was being homeschooled at the time. Uh, and I was sitting there watching an academic movie. Uh, I don't know if anybody remembers Kid in King Arthur's Court. <laughs> but I was sitting there watching that movie when I was probably supposed to be doing schoolwork. Uh, and yeah, we were sitting right there. And it, it was uh, it's kind of funny. My, my mother was talking to my grandmother, who at the time, my grandmother worked at the Pentagon. Um, and she was on the phone with her when the, uh, when the planes... Uh, Started hitting the uh, the two towers, and you know we, we were in contact with her. But it was kind of ironic that we were on the phone with her during this whole ordeal when the when the plane was hitting the Pentagon and everything. So it was kind of kind of odd. Um, but yeah, September 11th, one of those days that will live on for the uh, the rest of eternity in everybody's mind that was alive during it in the history books. After we're all gone, it's Patriot Day, Patriot Day, and also today is National Hot Cross Bun Day. Now. I have no idea what a hot cross bun is, but this looks absolutely phenomenal. Like, just think if you took a Hawaiian roll uh, and the Hawaiian roll was sort of made with uh, cinnamon raisin bread, possibly with some ice piping uh, in a cross form on top of the bun. It looks really good. I don't know where this originated from. Uh, it said most hot cross buns are eaten for breakfast and are accompanied with a cup of coffee or a glass of warm milk. It looks it looks great. This thing looks like a delicious treat. It looks like something probably originated from England. Uh, I've never had one, but I would definitely be on board for trying one of these. It looks amazing. Like I said, it looks like a King's Hawaiian roll uh, made with maybe some cinnamon raisin and then a little little icing piping. In a cross form down the middle. Uh, Braves over the weekend take two of three from the Pirates on Friday night. Braves win eight to two. Rosario with three RBIs. Acuna and Darno both added in two RBIs apiece. And Arcea added in an RBI as well. Bryce Elder with a great outing on Friday night. Pitched six, or excuse me, seven innings, only giving up two earned runs and striking out nine. Have a game, Bryce Elder. Uh, I mean, this is like. This is the fourth game in a row, that fifth game in a row, that he's pitched really, really well. I mean, over this five-game stretch, the only game that wasn't a good, a phenomenal game, I should say, uh, was the game against Colorado where the Braves won 14-4. to he, he went six, gave up four earned runs, and struck out four. Uh, so obviously not a great outing, but not a terrible outing. And, I mean, the other outings that he's had in the past five, I mean, against the Pirates, 
two earned runs in seven innings against the Dodgers, one earned run in six innings against the Mets, one earned run in five and a third innings, and against the Yankees a couple weeks ago, no earned runs in seven innings. So that trend of Bryce Elder uh, having like two good games in a row, then two crappy games in a row, or three good games in a row, then two crappy games in a row. That seems to possibly have ended with five straight games where four of those were phenomenal games and one of them was a was a fine game. It wasn't a great game, but it was a fine game. Uh, it's kind of nice to see Bryce Elder sort of hitting his stride and falling into a bit of a groove here. I know we're you know not terribly close to the playoffs, but they're not far away. They're not far away, and it's nice to see Bryce Elder sort of hitting his stride at the moment. Uh, on Saturday, Braves lose 8-4. to four. Olsen had two RBIs. Acuna and Albies also added in an RBI apiece. Uh, Dylan Dodd, not a great outing. Outing to forget four innings pitch, seven hits, three base on balls, four earned runs, and two Ks. Not a great outing uh, from Dylan Dodd, who has been starting here and there, a little spot starts, and not, I, I don't know, has has not impressed me. I, that's sort of every single start has sort of been that for Dylan Dodd. It's been like four or five innings pitched and somewhere between four and five earned runs. Uh, the best start he had was the first start he had of the season against St. Louis all the way back in April where he went five innings and only gave up one earned run. That's really the only good start he's had. Uh, but yeah, Dylan Dodd, spot starts here and there, just trying to get the Braves into the playoffs, just sort of trying to eat up games, eat up innings and everything. Not a great start on Saturday. Braves and Pirates cleared the benches, though, after Acuna was pitched inside, and I don't blame them, man. I mean, it's... It's gotten to the point where it's a little ridiculous how inside these pitchers have started pitching Acuna, and it's just because they're afraid. And you know, it's, they, he's almost getting the Barry Bonds treatment. You know what I mean? Like it's it's almost that's almost that's almost where he's at is is getting the uh, getting the Barry Bonds treatment uh, when he's at the plate, and it sucks for Braves fans because we obviously do not want to see him get hit. We obviously do not want to see him get hit or get hurt. Uh, but it's, you know, it, it's almost a sign of respect, you know, it's almost a sign of respect. Like we're going to do this. We're going to pitch you inside because we don't want you to do damage with the bat essentially is what it is. And I, you know, it's, well, I'm still waiting for the time that, that Acuna gets walked intentionally walked with the bases loaded. That's like the most, that's one of the craziest things I ever saw in Barry Bonds, career is when he got walked with the bases loaded. Like, yeah, it's just like, are you serious? That's nuts, man. Uh, then on Sunday, Braves win 5-2 to two over the Pirates again. Acuna with two more RBIs. Olsen with three RBIs. I mean, ever I feel like ever since the, the trip to L.A. where we played the Dodgers, Acuna has just been turning it on. Like, I, ever, since, ever since the sports books flipped over to Mookie Betts winning the MVP and we had that series against the Dodgers, like, Acuna has become even more unstoppable. I feel like he took that and um, just kind of, I don't know, took it personally. I, I don't know if he did. And right now the sports books have flipped back over to Ronald Acuna Jr. to win the MVP. He's now a minus 600 to win the MVP. Mookie Betts at a plus 400. Uh, Freddie at a plus 5,000. Matt Olson. Matt Olson at a plus 20,000 to win the MVP. Um, but yeah, ever ever since that series against the Dodgers, man, it feels like something has, has flipped in Acuna where he's become... Next level, almost. You know what I mean? Like it's it's just it's crazy the season that he's having this year. I hope everybody just appreciates what kind of a ball player he is. Alan Weenans went six and one third, uh, two earned runs and eight Ks for the Braves on Sunday. Great showing from Weenans or Weenans, I pronounce his name. 
Um, a lot better than the a lot better than the previous one where with the Mets. He went four and a third and gave up seven earned runs. I don't know if he's going to factor into our postseason. I know he's not going to factor into our postseason rotation. I don't know if Winans is going to be in our bullpen for the postseason. I guess that's a possibility. Um, but yeah, nice outing, nice outing on a Sunday, nice outing against a sub 500 team. I always feel like the Braves struggle with sub 500 teams on a Sunday. I don't know why. Maybe it's because we've usually wrapped up the series by then. We've usually won Friday and Saturday, and Sunday is just a formality. Maybe that's the reason. Um, but it seems like sub 500 on Sundays, we always struggle. The Braves did clinch a playoff spot this weekend, so if there was any doubt, if the Braves were going to go on some historic, insane losing streak, it doesn't really matter now. We clinched the playoffs. And our magic number right now is down to six. So magic number for the division is down to six. After the magic number for the six is is down, I would love to see, I would love to see a tracker with the the magic number for the Braves uh winning their capturing the best record in baseball. That's what I want to see. Doubleheader today, Charlie Morton taking the bump at 105 for first pitch. Uh, not sure TBD on who is going to pitch the second game, but we got a four-game series against the Phillies. Doubleheader starting today, 105 first pitch for the first game, and then 640 first pitch for the second game. So four up in Philadelphia and then three in Miami. We only have one, two, three, four, five, six. We only have six series left. And out of those six series, five of them are against division foes. Uh, we have two against the Phillies, two against the Nats, and one against Miami. And then the only series left this year that is not against a division foe will be against the Chicago Cubs next to the last series of the year. On the gridiron on Saturday, UGA beats Ball State. Uh, you know, I know I sort of had some harsh words for UGA beating Tennessee Martin. They didn't look phenomenal. I didn't get to watch this game live, the Georgia Ball State game live. I watched a little bit of the replays, and you know how it is in the replays. All this show is the highlights. Uh, Carson Beck looked okay. He looked fine to me. I don't. I really don't know what you can take away from a Ball State game where you are just the best team. I know they ended the first quarter with no score. Um, you know that, that's not great from a UGA perspective. Once again, though, I just watched the highlights. I didn't get to see the game in its entirety. So I don't know if that should be a more concerning stat than it really is, or it should be a less concerning stat than it really is. But I mean, they put up, they put up, you know, 31 points in the second quarter. So it all, it all evened itself out. 45 to three was the final. Carson Beck went 23 for 30, 283 yards, two tutties and an INT. Uh, not, not phenomenal out of Carson Beck, but not terrible. And, you know, I was talking to our good friend, Coach White, this past weekend, and we were kind of talking about the quarterback situation up in Athens. And, you know, he said, you know, I have I have all the faith that whatever quarterback on that roster is going to be the best quarterback for Georgia going forward. Kirby Smart's going to put that guy in the starting rotation. Like, it's not like Kirby Smart cares what star you were when you came into Georgia. Uh, you know, what you thought you were going to be coming into the season. That Kirby's shown that he can put a, a five foot four walk on from a junior college in at quarterback and win back-to-back natties with him. So if, if Carson Beck is not the answer, Kirby Smart's not going to stick with him for very long. Uh, if he thinks Gunnar Stockton or Brock Vandergriff is going to be a better field general than Carson Beck is, I mean, <laughs> Kirby Smart's going to pull that trigger pretty quickly. Um, uh, that's one of the nice things that, that UGA has going for him is I think they have the best college football coach right now. Right now, the best head coach in college football 
is up there in Athens, and he's coaching the Bulldogs and Kirby Smart. I, he surpassed Nick Saban. Um, everybody knows I'm a big Buckeye fan. I don't think Ryan Day's even close. Uh, Lincoln Riley's a good coach, but he's not in the same vein as Kirby Smart. And uh, we'll see what Deion Sanders turns into up in Colorado, man. He's doing a he's doing a hell of a job. But right now, the best head coach in college football is up in Athens, and he has an insanely talented team this year. One of the things uh, that sort of concerned me as well is the lack of rushing. They spread it around a lot, but Georgia didn't even rush for over 100 yards. Like, they didn't even go over the century mark. Uh, Roderick Robinson had 38 yards. Dylan uh, Dylan. Dillian Bell had 28 yards. Kendall Milton had 18 yards. And I know Milton is coming. He was a help. He was a scratch last week uh, versus Tennessee Martin. So maybe when Milton is 100% healthy, we'll see something a little bit different. Uh, and then the receiving, like I, I, I you know, I think uh, I think Carson, or excuse me, I think Brock Bowers only had three targets. Uh, so that's slightly concerning as well, or two targets. That's a little concerning. The lack of targets that that Brock Bowers got but once again it's it's against Ball State so take it with a grain of salt I don't know how much Georgia wanted to show uh Georgia's not gonna have to show much of their playbook anyway most of the start of the season I, I mean they have South Carolina coming up this week but South, they could run the ball the entire time against South Carolina I don't I don't think they're gonna have a hard game until the 30th which you know coincidentally enough remember that is the TM5 takes over sissies uh, so that game, that game time is still two to be determined, but, uh, Billy and I will be up at Sissy's trackside pub, which I actually went yesterday to watch some of the Falcons game. Um, you get 10% off of your food order. If you mention you are there with, uh, with TM five. So yeah, TM five takes over, uh, Sissy's trackside pub September 30th for the Auburn game. And I think that's going to be Georgia's and I don't even want to say test, but I think it's going to be their hardest game yet. They should be able to absolute Molly South Carolina. Then they have UAB the week after that. Two very easy games. They'll be 4-0 going into the Auburn game, uh, probably winning games by a 40-something point margin. And I think Auburn is probably going to go into that game as well at 4-0. After beating Cal this past weekend, 14-10, they should run past Samford. I, I don't know what Texas A&M is going to be. Um, I, I, thought, I thought they were going to be diff, decent, but then watching them against Miami this past weekend, I, I really don't know what they're going to be. So it could be 4-0 versus 4-0, uh, but yeah, Georgia's, Georgia's going to be undefeated going into that game and probably undefeated coming out of that game. Uh, staying on the gridiron, Falcons beat the Panthers 24-10 to open up their 2023 campaign and looking towards a division win. Desmond Ritter 15 for 18, 115 yards and one tud. Ah, you know, not great. Uh, not a great showing out of Desmond Ritter. I I, I don't I don't know what Ritter is going to be, man. Like, I just... I feel like he is just a game manager up there. And what I saw yesterday is not a guy that I want to put my franchise. I don't want to put the hands of my franchise into Desmond Ritter for the next five seasons after what I saw yesterday. He's, he's fine as being a game manager, uh, dumping it down. It looks like he's a little hesitant to throw the deep ball uh, and trust his wide receivers, which is in, insanely scary because there are some very, very talented wide receivers on this Falcons team. Uh, that uh, that that has to change, man. The long ball has to be there for Desmond Ritter uh, in this in this Falcons offense because of the way the running game is. That running game is supposed to suck in the defenders and allow a lot of balls over the top. And when you have guys like Desmond Ritter, or excuse me, like Drake London, uh, like Mac Hollins, like Kyle Pitts, who should be able to take off the top of the defense 
and you don't, it's a little concerning because that's the way you're going to keep that defense honest with the rushing attack that the Falcons have. Speaking of the rushing attack, Tyler Algier and B. John Robinson combined for 130 rushing yards. Uh, Algier had 94 all-purpose yards and two touch. B. John had 83 all-purpose yards. Both of them look really good, man. I was really impressed by Bijan and Tyler Algier. Cordero Patterson was a scratch. He was out for the game. So the rushing attack and a lot of the passing attack went through Bijan and uh, and Algier. Both of them looked healthy. Both of them looked really good. Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier, I think, are going to be great battery, battery uh, mates this year for the Falcons. O-line looked good on running plays. Very dominant pass blocking. Eh, Could have been better. Not great pass blocking from the offensive line. Defense looked solid, though. Defensive line dominated most of the game. Uh, the coverage was watertight from the Atlanta Falcons DBs and secondary. I think they did a great job. Once again, probably facing the worst quarterback in the NFC South. So take it with a grain of salt. Take it for what you will. Um, but they look good. They look good. You got to win. You can only you can only play the opponent that's in front of you every single week. And I, the Falcons won 24 to 10. Had a little bit of a slow start. Uh, was 10 to 10 going into the fourth quarter and it was uh, it was the Falcons that came out victorious with a home opener so congratulations 1-0 1-0 on the season with a division win they currently lead the NFC South because they're 1-0 in the division let's head over to the Marine South scoreboard from this past weekend in football Bowden beats Tattnall Square 40 to 13 my goodness they are pissed off about that light delay from last year uh, Carrollton beats Villarica 50 to nothing the score it doesn't isn't really indicative of, of how well the Villarica Wildcats played. I, now I'm not saying that Villarica was in any stretch of the imagination going to win the game, but I think I think Villarica probably played 35 to seven is probably where that score should have been. Uh, but yeah, Carrollton beats Villarica. Central beats McIntosh 40 to 21, and those 21 I think two of those came in very very late. Harrison County falls to Mary Persons 35 to 14. Good job by the Rebels battling back in that game, man. Uh, that, uh, Hurt County, or excuse me, Harrelson County kept that close for a long time. And Mary Persons is a very, very talented football team. Hurt County falls to Callaway 38-6 in the Pulpwood Classic. Uh, Casey Bass told me on Friday night that Callaway could possibly win the state championship. He said they're a very, very talented team. And uh, Hurt County, man, I love their I love their non-region schedule. Like they just schedule the hardest opponents they can possibly schedule. It just makes it just makes them better for the region uh, and for the playoffs. Mount Zion beats Heritage, forty-two to fourteen. Brad Gordon's got that team rolling, man. Uh, they unleashed they unleashed Sherrod Montgomery this weekend. He played really well. Uh, Mount Zion Eagles still undefeated, still undefeated right now through three games, three and zero. And Temple falls to Lumpkin County, thirty-five to nothing. I'm really interested to talk to Corey Nix about this because I, I didn't see this coming at all. I thought this was going to be a pick'em game. Uh, I thought it was going to be somewhere around like a twenty-one to twenty-four or twenty-four to twenty-seven type game, a very close game, one-score game, something like that. Uh, but thirty-five to nothing is is definitely not what what I thought was going to happen on Friday night uh, with Temple to uh, Temple versus Lumpkin County. In softball this past weekend, we had a lot of teams playing in the Trojan Slam out in Carrollton. Bowden beat Chattooga 2-0. Bremen fell to East Paulding 6-1 and Cherokee 6-3. Carrollton fell to Rockmart 6-5 and then beat LaGrange 7-1. Central fell to Gordon Lee 5-3 and they fell to Rockmart 5-2. And Heard County fell to Gordon Lee 6-0. I know they had a bunch of teams out there at the uh, Trojan Slam and you know I get to talk to Callie Barron and she was talking about how you know the single A teams don't mind if they play 7A teams or 6A teams or whatever it is they just want to get out there get better and and play because it's all non-region stuff so everything you do out there just it makes you better for when region play the super regionals and 
you know, heading down to Columbus. It just makes you better for all that. It makes you better prepared. Uh, in volleyball, Central beat Whitewater and Heritage two to nothing, and fell to Northgate two to one, and fell to Westgate or Westlake two to nothing. Heard County fell to East Paulding and Rockmart two to one. Villarica beat Rockmart two to one, and fell to East Paulding two to nothing. On the Smith's floor coverings, games and events calendar for tonight. We have softball, Bowden at Callaway, Carrollton at Trinity Christian, and Mount Zion at Alexander. So we have three softball games tonight. All three are on the road. Let's get to another cup of coffee brought to you by realtor Hannah Strong with Robert Goosby Real Estate Group. Coco Golf becomes the youngest women's U.S. Open champion at 19 since Serena Williams did it back in 1999. And I believe Coco Golf. If I am not mistaken, I, I'm like 90% sure. I think she was born in Georgia, or I think she's from Georgia. I think she lives here or something like that. Um, I think she's around here. Yeah, Golf was born uh, born in Atlanta, Georgia on March uh, 13, 2004. So, yeah, we get a, uh, we're going to claim that. We're going to claim Coco Golf, Atlanta, Georgia, born here, 19 years old, man, winning a U.S. Open. That's just mind-blowing. That young lady is insanely good. Uh, at tennis. She's, she's really, really good. I can't wait to see where her career goes. Uh, Novak Djokovic tops Daniel Medvedev to win U.S. Open 24th ma- major. Novak Djokovic, 24 majors. He's probably going to go down with the most majors of all time as long as his uh, inoculation and vaccination and immunization and all that stuff doesn't get in his way. I think Novak will probably go down as... Uh, the most majors won ever in tennis history. Michigan State suspends Mel Tucker amid harassment case. Uh, this is uh, not great news coming out of there uh, with with Mel Tucker and the fighting Mel Tuckers of Michigan State. That team probably wasn't going to be good anyways this year. But the fact that you're getting this midseason, oh, man, it's uh, it's not great. Yeah, he's, he's been suspended without pay while the university completes an investigation into claims that he sexually harassed a prominent sexual assault awareness speaker after she was hired to address the Spartans team. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing, Mel? It's just dumb. Just stupid. Uh, Ravens running back J.K. Dobbins tears Achilles and is out for the season. I hate to see this, man. I really thought that J.K. Dobbins was going to have a big year uh, for the Ravens, and it's it's been one of the it's been one of the knocks on J.K. Dobbins. I don't think he's stayed healthy any of the seasons he's been in the league. Like I think he's just super injury prone. He wasn't like that in college, and he wasn't like that in high school, but it seems like flipping over to the NFL, man, super injury prone J.K. Dobbins. Uh, Texas and Colorado with big wins over the weekend. It's going to be interesting to see our Power 5 tomorrow with the NFL and college football uh, and also throwing our high schools in there with the Power 9. Um, it'll be interesting to see where both Billy and I rank Texas because that was a huge win. That was a big win on the road uh, versus a number three Alabama team. I feel like Alabama hasn't lost a non-conference home game in forever. Like I feel like it's back to the 90s in the last time they lost a non-conference home game. Uh, but Quinn Ewers looked phenomenal, 349 yards and three tutties. And Colorado, dude, Colorado just keeps rolling. Like, What's the ceiling for Deion Sanders and, and the Buffaloes up there? I, I, they looked good this past weekend, and their schedule, I mean, it doesn't get much harder next week. They play Colorado State, and then they're at Oregon. I think they have back-to-back games at Oregon and then home versus USC to to wrap up September, so that'll be very telltale. But, uh, dude, right now, he's, he's got it rolling. I mean, Deion Sanders has it rolling up there. Uh, today in 1991, the Atlanta Braves, Kent Merker, Mark Wollers, and Alejandro Pena 
pitched a pitched the first combined no hitter in National League history, beating the San Diego Padres one to nothing. Those were three phenomenal, phenomenal pitchers for the Braves back in the early '90s. But for Billy Lindall, I am Bryce Sparling. We will see you all tomorrow, same time, same place. Shake your neighbors, just shake them, shake your neighbors.